Hello, Degrassi fans, and welcome to the Degrassi Good Podcast, where each week we break down the history and impact of our favorite teen TV show. I'm Jocelyn, and this week I have a question for you. How would you like to chat with Paulo Brancati? Paulo played Jane Vaughn on Degrassi The Next Generation from season seven all the way through to the end of season nine. We'll remember Jane transferred to Degrassi after their arrival school, Lakehurst, burnt down in a fire. Tensions were high as the school was notoriously known for the stabbing of J.T. York just the year before. Then Jane met Spinner, where the two fell in love and stayed together until the summer finale movie Degrassi Takes Manhattan, where Spinner finds out that Jane had cheated on him with Declan Coyne and he reacts by breaking up with her and marrying Emma. But that's not all. Paula played one of the breakout characters on Degrassi because of her ability to handle hard-hitting topics and sensitive storylines. In season 8, we get an episode called Fight the Power, where Jane joins the boys' football team and is immediately hazed for being a girl, which quickly escalates into bullying, violence, and a scene where Jane is kicked in the stomach by her male teammate. Later, Paula appears in an episode called Jane Says, where Jane learns that she was assaulted by her father when she was just a little girl. Both of these episodes are huge moments, not only for Paula's character, but for the show itself. Paula even did public service announcements with organizations like RAIN, the National Sexual Assault Hotline, and Maybe Me, a campaign that raises awareness for violence against women and young people. Paula didn't only take on the character of Jane, but became a proud advocate for the types of issues she went through on the show. And today, we're going to find out what it was like. I've personally always wondered if the actors on Degrassi feel a sense of responsibility for the storylines they tackle on the show. What is it like to play a character who teaches young girls how to stand up for themselves? And finally, what does Paolo really think about Spinner dumping Jane and marrying Emma Nelson? <laughs> We're going to talk about it all with Paolo Brancati, but first, let's listen in to House Arrest by Janie and the Studs. Paula, welcome to the Degrassi Kid Podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Jocelyn. I wanted to come on for some time, so this is really nice. <laughs> this is really nice. I got a shirt specifically printed for this, too, so we can celebrate in style. We can celebrate Janie and the studs. <laughs> oh, my God. It's very cool. <laughs> Isn't it cool? I'll add it to the Degrassi collection. I also, I have a, a I don't know if you know that you're on a Degrassi pillow, and, uh, I sure do, but it's, it's it was my first gallery shoot. It's the one with with all of us, right? Drake at the center. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, you're there and you're in the corner. So sometimes when I'm on FaceTime, it's just me and your little face sticking out of it. And so many times, you know how on cell phones, it recognizes everyone who's in a picture. There are so yeah. many times that it'll just be a zoomed in version of you because you're in the photo somewhere. Which is that so is funny. hysterical because I look so glum in that photo and it's been immortalized forever. Everyone in my family has one. You know, you have to, if your face is on a pillow, it becomes the Christmas. You have to. Paula, every time I do one of these interviews, I always tell a story of how I met the person I'm interviewing from Degrassi. I think yours is maybe the craziest story I have because it actually starts in 2016. I was touring the set of Degrassi and Ian Christensen at the end was like, who's Degrassi's publicist? He was like, hey, do you want to meet Paula? And I was like, yeah, I would love to meet Mahala. And then he just, in the moment, arranged this meet and greet where I went down to Toronto. You're playing Miss Honey in the stage version of Matilda. And I met you. Do you do that? Do you just like 
meet up with people? I, first of all, Ian's a dear friend and he had already spoken about you to me. And I very much remember this moment. And I, I remembered meeting you. I of course remember you wearing the 88 t-shirt. <laughs> this is also up in my room for on display. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, I, it was so, you know, it's interesting when you're doing a show in Toronto, you do get the opportunity to meet people after shows in a, in a way that you may not. But he's so sweet to connect those dots and to get us together in person. It was really lovely. And I remember, like, I told my parents about it. I was like, I met this young woman who is so, you know, you were, you were just so frank about how much the show meant to you. And so it was very cool oh, for me. I love that. That's how I spent my 23rd birthday was touring the side of Degrassi and meeting you. It was amazing. It's wow. a memory forever. And <laughs> then so part of it. Yeah. And then you're also crazy enough, seven years later at my 30th birthday party. I had known obviously that there was going to be a party there. Linda Schuyler had reached out to me and was like, Hey, I know you're coming to Toronto for your birthday. Can I host your party? And I was like, of course you can. No problem. But cool. I did not know that she was going to invite a bunch of Degrassi people. And you were one of them. Even if this answer is just for me, how did, did someone text you? Like, how did it come about that you're going to be at my 30th birthday party? Linda and Steven emailed me and said, we're throwing jocelyn this little birthday jam at our place would you come by and i was like absolutely and i didn't know exactly who else would be there i mean of course i knew ian would be there and my buddy michael rubinoff who i came with but i didn't know that i didn't exactly know who would be there either so it was a surprise for me too but i was so delighted to be included because it was it was a really special day like i got to meet evie and a bunch of other of, of the book club the degrassi book club or, or yeah. fan club all everyone was so kind and everyone spoke about what the show meant to them it was a very emotional uh birthday visit Absolutely. I felt how did you how did, how did you have a good time like it was it was nuts and it was so much bigger than I expected but what was it was kind of fun for me because I got to both host the surprise and be a part of it because I had thrown this birthday party for two days we were traveling around Toronto we went to Degrassi High the set of the next generation we did all this stuff and I knew it was going to end at Linda Schuyler's and I was like oh well like look you get the full Degrassi kid experience and then I just every like 30 minutes it was like someone just kept showing up from the show and being like hi Jocelyn here's donuts here's flowers here's wine we love you so it was you're amazing it was incredible very beloved you're very beloved in the Degrassi canon and Linda loves you and it was a really really special Day. So thank you for letting me be a part of it. It was so cool. Anytime. We'll do it again next year. No problem. Love um, that. I actually had a podcast where I had everyone who came on the trip. We sat on Zoom together and we each shared one special memory from the trip and that party. Do you have a special moment from that party or is it just the overall feeling of it? Oh, that's, I mean, I was really moved. I, I think visibly so. I am a bit of a crier, but I, I don't think I knew exactly what I, I I knew it was your birthday, but when we all kind of went around and everyone spoke about what the show meant to them, it was so special. And everyone was so open and kind and very honest about it, about their own personal stories. So I was, I was very touched. And I guess the most special part was getting to speak to a lot of folks privately after mm -hmm. and everyone being very open with me, you know, who they didn't know and had just met. So I don't know. I just, it was just another reminder of how much Degrassi touches people, you know, like long after the show's been off the air. I'm just always like very, very delighted to have been a small part of this, this show and get to meet so many amazing people like, like you and, and your friends there. Oh. It was really special. That is so special. That's one of the things that I love about hosting things like I hosted a book club, I host watch parties, is because when you become kind of the face of the fan community is people also trust you with those stories. And it you, I've learned so much 
about how much the show actually touches people. And that's why I love doing interviews like this because we'll answer some fan questions later. And I know the fans who it's like, Jane is their favorite character and they've left questions for you. So that's why I love getting to do all this stuff. That's so wonderful. Well, they're in good hands with you. And <laughs> the other thing about Degrassi that's amazing is there is a character for everybody. So we get to, you know, every character has sort of their people that they connect with. So it's, it's a very cool part of the show, it being such a big ensemble like that. Absolutely. You were also mentioned one more time on this podcast, actually, when I had Annie Clark on, she told a really fun story about she used to love the show when she grew up. I know. She, she came on and she was a I fan of it. you. Oh my God. That was my favorite. And she was all nervous oh. to meet you. And now you guys are friends. So that's how I feel too. I'm like, I, I now am crazy to me that anyone would be nervous meeting me, but I remember meeting Annie and she was so poised and so like, just so much cooler than I could ever have been at her age. We're, we're not that many years apart, but when you're like, you know, graduating on Degrassi and the new cast is coming in, you feel so much older. And she was just so cool, calm, collected and lovely. And I just listened to, I guess the very first podcast that she was on with you of this. And I didn't realize that's how you came up like that the idea was from Annie. So I was, that was a, a bit of um, Degrassi Kid podcast trivia that I didn't know. So I love that you uh, listened. Thanks yes. for listening. Yeah, oh, Annie Clark, I love when people ask me how I started this podcast or why, because I get to tell people that Annie Clark told me to. Like, I love it. Of course I'll start a podcast. I actually, let's just do that. Annie Clark told me to. That's what I'm going to say for a lot of things now. <laughs> <laughs> she gives good advice, clearly. She really does. <laughs> The crazy thing is that it's still not it with our history together because then just three weeks later, we were at Canada's Walk of Fame. And this is where I have our first fan question come in from Mike. Mike is a huge fan of the kids of Degrassi Street. So there was some actors there. Nancy Lamb was there. Uh, the very first Degrassi kid, Zoe Newman, was there. So Mike yeah. wants to know, what is it like for you to go to something like the Walk of Fame and connect with people from different generations of Degrassi? Hi, Mike. It's It was so special. That night was very, very cool. And there were a lot of us from all the gens. Not to be redundant, but it's another reminder of how, how many years the show has really touched people and how many of us who have been on the show have been touched by it. I often liken it to being part of like, a big Italian family. I'm Italian. So you have cousins sort of that you've never met sometimes that live other parts of the world. And the minute you meet, you feel connected. I think Degrassi is very much like that. We see each other and some of us hadn't met until that night or we've been in the same rooms, but not uh, gotten a chance to speak uh, at length. It just feels like a thing that bonds you forever. I feel like that about the the next class as well, and the, the, the newer gen. And, and certainly, you know, working with Stefan Broger and he directed a bunch of like, key episodes for me when I was on the show so it was very cool to be in the hands of somebody who'd been with the franchise from the beginning who like we oh. obviously really really trust with the tone of the show and and with our stories that is incredible I have also gotten the benefit of that feeling because I remember Luke Billick I was talking to him and he was like so what generation were you on and I was like no I was not on the show and he's like oh this whole time I thought you were on the show I'm like no but I got to benefit exactly from the, the feeling you get Yes, and you could be. It's it's that thing that just there's like an invisible thread in a room of Degrassi lovers. It's very, very cool. It's incredible. I told him that I would just I'll tell him that I was on season one and then I'll tell the season one people <laughs> yeah. I was on season twelve and let's do that. That's exactly right. It's like high school. If you graduate out, if someone comes up to me and says I was at your high school, I'm like, oh cool, we're bonded yeah. forever, but we missed each other, you know. <laughs> I love it. There are so many more Degrassi fan questions that came in, but first I want to paint a picture of Paula outside of Degrassi and then we'll gush about this TV show that we love. And one thing that's kind of special about you is we were just talking about those kids of Degrassi Street. They all started not in the acting business. Most kids on Degrassi, they just do this show and then that's it for them. 
but you have not only not only have a huge acting experience you have an acting career of being in shows that I loved growing up you were in Dark Oracle Violet was like one of my first TV crushes loved her you were in Life with Derek you were in Radio Free Roscoe and even I wasn't even thinking about this but recently me and some of my friends watched Cowbells and then you showed up in it and I was like she's everywhere literally everywhere so what is it that made you want to join this business and become an actor Paula? Uh, that's so nice that, that to hear about those shows. What's crazy is I shot them so many years ago. Feels like not long ago. Um, <laughs> I was such a, I was a kid who was not very hammy and I was very shy and very scared of everything, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. My parents attest to this, but I did find musical theater very young in my life. And I went to a place called Characters Theater Troupe that really changed my life because from there, my first agent came out to see a show on the recommendation of Megan Davis, who is our musical director. And I think when we were approached, my parents and I, by by um, Shari Qualenberg, my agent, uh, my first agent, we were like, really? I don't know that we could see that for me because I was so shy, but I definitely know that I felt so at home in like a rehearsal space with other music theater kids. I felt that on set early in, you know, Dark Oracle being my first lead, but certainly being on set felt similar to that rehearsal hall experience. I was like, this feels like a family I wanna be a part of. I feel like these are my people. So I would say that I didn't know it could be a career for me. I definitely didn't, when I started, I didn't know that I'd be doing it and evolving it to, you know, my entire life's path, but it just snowballed and became something that felt really really good and really natural and I I think that's all you kind of hope for I was very lucky I found it early for sure that's incredible and you are a great actor because every time I like I'm very familiar with your work and all the things you've been in and you play a character that I see all the time and still I think you do so good at embodying the characters you take on that I don't see Jane or I don't see these other characters I see the complete person that you're trying to portray so you're one of my favorite actors for that reason you're so welcome that's very nice thank you so much no problem to 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 be able to act and take on different characters so thanks yes oh I actually which is the one I just watched um I'll I'll never remember the title of it the one where you play the psychotic assistant and you try to murder her oh oh, oh, death she wrote death she wrote I was trying to do my best Kathy Bates I mean I I was That was really fun. Oh, thank you. That was a fun one to watch, especially as like a crazy super fan. I always love watching those kind of stories. I'm like, okay, is this how people see me in the world? Because I could, that's a slippery slope. <laughs> oh, and I feel like my poor grandmother had to watch that. And my daughter was like, that was terrifying and embedded in my brain forever. <laughs> I loved it. I absolutely loved it. On top of continuing an acting career, you also started to step behind the camera. You became a producer, started a production company with Michael Cedar to paint the picture for the listeners. Not only is that Derek from Life with Derek, but he was also in Degrassi Goes Hollywood. He plays the TV version of Jason Mewes. So our first question comes from Evie, who wants to know, you know, you're now you've stepped behind the camera a little bit. What's your most fulfilling or exciting project that you've made outside of Degrassi? Hi, Evie. Thank you for that question. I think certainly like the first couple of projects that Mike and I did together, we were learning together. So it was so thrilling because there's something about not, you know, no, knowing a little bit, but really being in a position in your career. Like I was 23 when I started producing, you really are starting with so many questions and people are really open to helping you. So I would say like our first short Slycad, we got to go to Cannes with it. And that was surreal. And we met so many people who 
became mentors for us, who helped us, that, that sort of evolved into relationships for our first two features that we worked with Shaftesbury Films on. They produced Dark Oracle and Life with Derek. So I think, you know, doing those with Mike and getting to actually like hire our friends to act in these projects and crew members that we adore coming out to work with us, it's quite a, like it was, it was very cool, very surreal, definitely pinch me moments. And then seeing those projects, you know, in a movie theater, Sadie's Last Days on Earth, People Hold On, we wrote together it was it was very like such a such a delight and really changed I think the course of the last 10 years for me in my career I've now you know I'm certainly acting and also developing my own projects so changed so everything did yeah. I hear that one of your upcoming projects are you working on like a queer love story Maybe I'm thinking, wrong that. One of, I mean, not in, not specifically, but there is something with a queer love story in it, but it's not um, necessarily the whole the whole uh, project but I don't know if I've spoken about it yet so maybe maybe it's uh oh maybe I went too maybe deep it's a process, or maybe you could feel <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe I'm manifesting I'm like do a game yeah, you're do a one. <laughs> I love that I also want to give uh some listening or watching recommendations to the listeners to really encapsulate that you have a huge like career you worked on several projects that feature other Degrassi actors and creatives so for example Sadie's Last Day on Earth if anybody misses Degrassi and wants more Degrassi go watch Sadie's Last Day on Earth there's like, so many Degrassi actors in that we are disorderly uh not only features Degrassi actors but did you make that with Linda Skyler's brother was he a producer Yes, Michael Bockett was, and all of that crew. And my, Mark Panzer was my first AD. Like, it was surreal. We got to, Samir Rahamu directed a lot of The Next Class, was our director. So I produced that. I wasn't in it, but we, and Chris, Christine Prosperi came and did a few episodes. It was a very cool um, thing. To, that was a big one where we brought, like, Nancy Markle was our scripty and uh, Keyworth. And so we, it was a very special time where we got to work with with all that crew so I couldn't believe that they you know that they trusted us and we were in the halls with Linda all getting lunch because they were also developing something at the same time so oh please please God. do check it out yeah it's and good and Ricardo it's and Monroe in it yes those ones are easy to digest because the website is there and you can just click through them and watch them it was a, a nice easy watch so the question okay. I have for you about this is we know that the Canadian acting pool is very small in Toronto there's gonna of course be repeated connections but I'm curious is there like is there an environment that's created on Degrassi that kind of fosters or breeds these repeated connections through the industry? It's a great question. I do think you're so right, Jocelyn. Degrassi, it does, it's both of those things. Degrassi does foster an environment where people want to keep working together, whether it's with the other actors, with the crew, but also there's so many generations of us. And Toronto is, I call it a small big city, okay? Like it is a big, it is a big city, but it's small, like you run into people so much and our film industry is even smaller. So it's very intimate. And if you've grown up as a child actor, as a lot of us have, mm -hmm. or teen actors, you know, you grow with the industry and you you meet so many people. So I think it's so natural to want to keep working with each other. Certainly as a producer, it's one of my favorite parts is getting to kind of like build out your dream cast and, and then getting to set and seeing so many crew members that you love. So I think it's twofold. Like it's probably a little bit of on purpose. We find each other, but also the industry here is, is quite small. So it's a bit of like a, everyone's a couple degrees away from a Degrassi cast member. Right? 100%. And every time I interview someone who's also been on Life with Derek, that's one of the number one questions. It's like, what's up with all this crossover that's happening? Because everyone's really? also been on Life with Derek. <laughs> I that's love right. that. Those mid-2000s were very major. I loved it. 
the next this is where we start now we're going to transition into degrassi our <gasps> first fan question for this side comes from shannon from my birthday party and you know what it's her birthday this weekend so happy birthday to shannon hi shannon happy birthday <laughs> she's gonna love that her <laughs> question is about your degrassi audition can you tell us about that did you audition before jane or was yes jane actually thank you for reminding me that i did yes i did way back when for the first so like the next generation the first season i auditioned i'm pretty almost 100% sure it was for Emma I would have been very uh very early in my acting career so I was very very new and and didn't you know didn't I knew the show a little like I'd heard the name but Mm -hmm. you know didn't know that the next generation would become what it was so that was very cool and and then actually I did audition for Kendra do you remember Kendra okay it's been her sister I know. And then what a twist it became because finally years, years later, I got an audition for the season I ended up being on, but I was able to pick if I wanted to audition for Holly J, Anya or Jane. And I normally at that time, it's funny you mentioned cowbells. I had done a, a bunch of sort of Disney channel roles and a couple of things that felt, you know, that they could fall in that Holly J space from the like couple of lines we got in the casting breakdown. So I think my instinct initially was like, maybe that's what I should audition for, but I never get to do anything like Jane. She seems so cool. Forget it. I'm going to just go in for Jane. And I didn't know if that was the right call, but something was calling me towards Jane. And I thought she was just so rad, even from the the couple of uh, scenes that I read, yeah. the sides, which are audition scenes. That's, that's what it's called. And then when I was called back, I was really like, I would think I was surprised because I didn't know that I was necessarily right for it. And that callback was, I was so nervous because the show was quite big at this point and I had friends on the show and it was, it was felt like a big deal. And when I heard I got it, I was in my grade 12 music class and I like left on my little flip phone, went into the, to the stairwell to hear my agent telling me I got it. So it was very, very cool. Oh my <laughs> god! Very exciting, yes. And obviously, fate because you play Jane so well. Like Jane is the character for you, and who would have known that it just that first rejection? It's like just wait, it's gonna happen. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? It's a great, it's a great reminder for actors that like you might not be right for a certain role, and then at a different point, something is right for you, and the part that you don't normally think is right for you could be right for you. Like it was a big lesson for me in not putting my myself into a box. And I also love this because there's someone else on Degrassi who has a very similar story. Charlotte Arnold auditioned for Emma, didn't get it, and then got the choice between Anya, Jane, and Holly J and picked Holly J. Oh my gosh, that makes sense. And and I can't picture anyone else doing Holly J, but right. sure. So it's, exactly. It's a very it's very interesting when those like sliding doors happen. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Another fun fact I think I believe about Jane is her in, was she inspired by Avril Lavigne? Is that a true fun fact? You know what? I wonder if it was in the breakdown because I definitely know we spoke about it in particular her first couple of episodes having the look be, you know, referencing Avril and she was, yeah, I mean, I, uh, Avril, who we all just saw at Walk of Fame. I know. Avril was Crazy. everything for me at that time. So we put in like green hair extensions that she had this skateboarder look. So she was definitely a reference for her like feel and aesthetically, but also I think even just the cool factor, like Jane had this cool factor, but I also really have to shout out Shane Kippel because I do think a lot of the time, like had he not been so sweet and generous, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it wouldn't have worked because I was really coming in to be his love interest in those very crucial, the cancer episodes for him. Mm-hmm. 
And I think on the show, you know, there's so many characters. It's really about the chemistry working. And and Shane's just such a lovable guy. And he he was so welcoming. And yeah. I was very curious to join the show. So I'm very grateful to him because I think because I felt relaxed, it really just lent itself to that that the Spain of it all working, you know? Oh, I love that. I love how many times you're almost, you almost played his wife, Emma. You almost played his sister, Kendra. You're like, I'm going to go for the girlfriend role. We're going to get here. Nice to be something <laughs> familial. Yeah. I love that. Jane also ha has several standard episodes, but there's a few that come to mind. For example, Fight the Power. That is when Jane joins the boys football team and they start hazing her for it. Chantel wants to know, and I think this is funny because I know the answer to this question. Did you have any sports experience prior to being on the <laughs> well we know the answer is well you know the answer is no I was in fact the last picked on sports teams in gym class so when we turned the page and read our script because we all I don't know if, if listeners would know this they might we don't get scripts ahead of time we would sit down and all read them for the first time in the table read so we were also surprised at the same time I was kind of mouth dropping like Oh God, we have to shoot this in a week and a half. Like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like months ahead. I thought the script was one of, for me, it's certainly a career, career highlight shooting that episode mm -hmm. with Eleanor Lindo, who was nominated for it too. And Matt Heater, who wrote it. It was very cool, very challenging, very special. And the writing was so strong and Friday Night Lights had just come out. So Eleanor yeah. gave me that to be like, watch this over the weekend. You'll be able to, you know, you'll be able to, to hopefully speak football, or at least you'll want to play it. Like I was just very scared at, I knew I wouldn't be able to run fast, but can I pull this off just even in a close up? And and we just found such a good language and shorthand around, you know, how to work with our stunt double. I we trained with a, a male football team, but not a lot of time. So I was very nervous. I was very nervous, oh but ho my hopefully it worked and cut together okay. I mean, I'm very proud of the episode. Oh sure. my God, that's amazing. Did your dad help you prepare for this at all? Please tell us about that. <laughs> Yes, I talked about that years ago, I think. He sure did. I was like, Dad, I really, I'm concerned. I have to play football for this this episode. And he brought me to the park on our street. And he'd be like, you're a brain caddy. You can do this. Because him and my aunt Rosie are so much more naturally athletic than me. And I was like, okay. And I would run. And he taught me how to throw with a spiral over that weekend. And I was like, yeah. And I showed up at the, the re not rehearsal, I guess it's called practice. So you literally don't understand sports. Yeah, practice. <laughs> And they told me I was going to be wide receiver. Not that I knew what that meant. Oh, it's that I'd spent all weekend throwing, but in fact, I have to start catching. So I was like, dad, I've got to catch now. And hilariously, I have to catch at the end of the, the credits. I had to catch that oh, ball. And yes. I was, we barely got it. That take you see where I turn around. I was like, oh my God, I could not believe I caught it. So lots of firsts on that show. Oh my me. God. <laughs> yes. I'm basically making you, I've heard you talk about this and I'm basically going to walk you through all my favorite parts of the story and make you repeat it. Cause I think it is so freaking funny. Oh my God, please um, do. <laughs> specifically that it's, this is even funnier because then I went and watched Dark Oracle and I was like, I see it. Were you told that you have to learn how to run? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I forgot I've talked about this publicly. Yes. Yes, it's that's right, Jocelyn. It was carryover from that that time. So I had to that was a very adventurous show, as you might recall, a mystery show. We were always running to and from somewhere. So mm -hmm. I just thought you just run. Like I didn't, I didn't think it had to do with athletics, but the network, I believe it was the network. Somebody had sent a message down the line. You know, it was a long time ago now. So maybe I've got it wrong. But they'd sent a message down the line like. Paula needs to run like with her knees up basically she's got to run like somebody's 
after her. And I was like, I feel like I'm running very fast. So they had Alex House and I, who played my twin on the show, we would practice on the, the floor of the school, like that was empty. We'd go a floor down and they were like, hey, chase her. So that if someone's running behind you, you really feel fearful. And I shoot a show called Slasher now. Aaron Martin created it. Oh, who showrunner on Degrassi, our beloved Aaron. And I'm running a lot in that show. And I always remember that advice of like, okay, always run like someone's chasing you and get those knees up. So yeah, that residually, I'm sure, affected this little football turn for me. So I was, That's I definitely cool. sat Eleanor down and said, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I think you need a great double for the wides because I mm-hmm. can't really get out of the way, but I will sell it in that close up. And I think it's a lesson for me that sometimes you can't be a hero as an actor. You got to be honest about your limitations and then Smart. they can work around it. Yeah, exactly. Well, also, I believe I understand that they got you a stunt double, but was there a mix up that someone didn't understand they needed to tackle the stunt double and not you? Oh my gosh. So I've forgotten about all this. Yes. So, and, and bless, like, you know, the football players are just actual football players. And then there's our football guys, like, you know, Natty and Ray and Delmar, like everyone of the actors, of course, knew who was me and who was the stunt double. But we were playing with the other team that was a real football team so sometimes we'd switch out and it would be the stunt double and I guess someone didn't get the memo on that side that for my pass of the wide we would stop at the the tackle so this guy did the tackle on me and I was like stunned but I did just keep going because I was like well I've already been hit so we might as well Mm. you know there's nothing to really do here it's happening but um yeah that was so long ago but (laughs) What a oh thrill. my god I was definitely felt like for a long time after I was like oh I played football like I kind of I kind of felt in my bones that I was a football player you earned yeah. your stripes after that tackle for sure as you noticed we never went on a football field again on the show she became a singer so <laughs> we really pivoted I love it I love it lesson learned on both ends on that one I think I love it Absolutely. Um, well, as fun as that episode sounds like it was to shoot, it is a very, you know, serious episode where there's a lot of obstacles that Jane is facing. Why do you think that is an episode that connects with the audience so much with Degrassi? It was so meaningful to shoot that and then to hear back from people. It, you know, it was before social media when I was on the show. So it was a different time in terms of hearing back from people, but we would get letters written that would come to the studio. And it was, it was very, very interesting to hear from specifically girls who wanted to be on male sports teams. I didn't realize how, you know, I read about it a bit before. I did a little research before, of course, but it was very common, you know, for there to be a point where they would be pushed out of something because of their gender. And I knew, you know, certainly the, the misogynistic coach, like that's a story that sadly is timeless. And mm-hmm. it just, it actually felt like it was so poignant at the time and has resonated for years after because sadly those things don't go away I hope that we're at a time where you know someone like Jane she's so brave and I just remember thinking oh my god this character is so much braver and cooler than I am and she was able to be so strong at 17 18 like the you know how she spoke up for herself that I certainly hope that inspired a a bit of that in me and I'm very inspired by young people today using their voices for whatever cause, you know, may speak to them. So I, I think we're in a really exciting time where there are a lot of like Janes out there. You know? I agree. I agree. Yeah. That episode's very relatable to me because I think, I think every young girl has gone through the situation where you want to do something sports or maybe just literally anything. And someone says, well, you can't do that because you're a girl. Or you're not supposed to do that because you're a girl, especially as a growing up as a, like someone who was in the closet hearing a lot, well, you're not supposed to do that because you're a girl. 
and it kind of drives you into this world that you think you you have to be a certain way totally yeah totally it's very frustrating i'm sure 100 percent. the other fun fact that i have is it's kind of a two-sided fun fact you were nominated for a gemini award because of this episode but lost it to michael cedar i did it was a nice way to lose he was at the end of life with derek at that time and we knew each other and i'd done the show but we didn't start producing together till after so but oh. i still remember him giving the speech it was really really and stacy farber was nominated that year and eleanor so it was like it was a very very special year to be nominated that is so cool did it like heal the wound that you lost were you like well now he's my buddy now <laughs> totally and i actually absolutely and I, I also now really understand like when people say i didn't expect to win i really think that nobody nominated does expect to win because you you really look at everyone around you and you're like oh they're so amazing so it yeah. could be buddy and you're just like chuffed to be a part of it yeah it was I was very, very, very um, blown away by the fact that I got to go. And for that episode specifically, because like, oh. you know, when you're a regular on a show, you don't know what's going to necessarily be submitted. But I felt like that time on set was really like it felt very special for all of us, that particular episode. So I'm so proud of that. I love that. That is one of my standout episodes too, because because of that message of like, you can literally be whoever you want and do whatever you want. Like you don't have to fit in this box. That other people want you to fit in, do what you want to do, which, I, which is a huge message on Degrassi exactly the other huge one of course is jane says where jane learns she was assaulted by her father i'm curious about the fan reaction to this one is this one that kind of gets the biggest reaction from fans it does get a lot of reaction yeah it makes me you know still still very upset at how at how common this is like mm -hmm. that it's a timeless another story that's timeless i think degrassi does such an such an amazing job at getting very specific about issues. So, mm -hmm. you know, there are many ways to tell a sexual abuse and sexual assault story. There's a lot of nuance. When I, they did tell me, I will say that it's rare that you see, you know, ahead of time what storyline you're getting. I did get a little bit of advance warning on this and I'm really glad they did. I took it so seriously, of course, as I, as I, by the way, should stress our entire cast and crew did it just oh we just are very aware and we're aware at the time that people really watch this show with such a careful eye that it, it saves lives it means a lot to people that's not every show you're on and mm -hmm. it's not every piece of writing so it felt much more than a acting job and we took it so seriously so I did a lot of research I'm very touched still at how people will sometimes you know uh, dm me or if they see me they'll talk about this and talk about their own experiences with sexual abuse in such a frank way mm -hmm. and i think i i'm grateful that they would feel comfortable enough to share but i definitely think the writing was very particular in the the details around someone suppressing memories and you know i've learned a lot since then i was 19 when we did that maybe 18 or 19 and we we you know i i looked into a lot of how that would work and certainly i've learned a lot more sense about ptsd and about how powerful our brains are to protect us so i i think it was such a quiet episode if you know what i mean from what i remember thinking about this is such an interesting two-parter it wasn't like there was a lot of her processing things and not yeah. saying them out loud and i thought it was just very you know a very particular way of looking at recalling this kind of thing 
and having her dad come back in her life. And it, mm-hmm. yeah, it really resonated with a lot of people. And I hope it, it helped some people, you know, and brought some comfort. Jane is one of those ones. Cause anytime I meet someone who loves Degrassi, one of the first things I'm like, well, who's your character? Who's the one that makes you love the show? And Jane is one of the top ones that always comes up. And it's this episode that's always gets mentioned. And that's kind of the nice thing is sometimes it's like an unspoken conversation too. Cause it's like, well, mine's Jane. Cause the episode Jane sends, and you don't have to go that much deeper into it. I understand what you're talking about and what you've been through. And one of the things I love about this episode is you have characters like Luke who are very like, I don't know, manly and like they like to fight a lot and they don't like to be challenged. And then he has this realization of what happened to his sister and he just is immediately on her side. He immediately believes her. He's not being like, well, no, that's my dad. That's nothing. That's what I love about Degrassi. It shows that any type of person can stand up and be a support person and not just fall victim to being a stereotype on TV. Such a great so well said, Jocelyn. It's like, you're right. You have a young man not questioning his sister mm-hmm. and supporting her. And I think not to speak for Linda, but I, but over the years, I I know that it was very important to her to write a show where the adults weren't, you know, tying up the messy loose ends and that yes. the kids were, were the, the teenagers were experiencing these stories, whatever they may be whatever messiness might come from it. And I think that also lends itself to how these things look, you know, it's not actually an adult coming in and standing up for Jane. Mm-hmm. It's Jane support of her brother really standing up to her father. And yeah, I also just really, I also commend the, like the crew that I've spoken about already, of course, so fondly, it was just so, so apparent that the show mattered to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like I, I came on set for that very final scene of the two-parter where Jane's on her mom's lap. And I'd been, you know, nervous and thinking about it and her and and the, and the crew was whispering. You could hear a pin drop, I guess, like our IDs had given a chat with everyone or it was just understood. But there was like, I mean, I get a bit emotional now and I've been chills thinking about it because it was so deeply respectful and just you feel so supported. It's like you're all yeah. doing this thing together and hoping that it will cut through the screen on TV and help somebody. So not to sound altruistic, oh. but I think it really it really mattered to us that we try to get it right for sure. A hundred percent. That's one of the things I love about Degrassi is yes, they get the on-screen story right. But the thing is, is about the cast is I really feel like they have a process where they go through and make you understand what's happening in these episodes instead of just like, okay, you're going to film this. Then we're going to end our day. And one of the questions that I'm always curious about with Degrassi actors is I know it's like a big thing when you get the big episode, right? It's like, okay, they finally trusted me with this huge topic, but then do you feel kind of a sense of responsibility to become an advocate for the topic that they assign to you? Like, for example, assault? You know, it's a great question. Like, I think because we did do PSAs for Rain mm-hmm. afterwards, and that was something they asked uh, if I would be interested in. And I said, of course, like, I think I, I don't I can't speak for the other cast, but I definitely feel like there's a responsibility to get it right, as I said, and do as much research as possible. And if there is a way to help move the needle because your character matters on the show, so speaking to it in a PSA will help, then mm-hmm. of course I'm all in. And, you know, they're all issues that really matter to all of us. It's a very easy yes to say like, yeah, of course I want to help young people or anyone who's going through this or mm-hmm. adults who may be recalling memories like there's such a there was such a it it was really a big learning curve for me about how you know just how abuse and assault works and and that there is no linear way through healing and so I I I'm very um grateful that I got to learn by proxy Mm -hmm. and 
people close to me and people that I'd worked with, people just came up to me after that episode and during and through that process and shared their stories privately just because they'd known I'd been working on this and, mm-hmm. you know, working with Rain. So it also opened up a dialogue in my own life that I think, you know, I don't know that I would have had even like the tools to talk about. So yeah, I guess the short answer is yes, there is a bit of a responsibility, but you want to make sure you're not becoming a spokesperson without taking the proper steps to like learn about what you're you're speaking to for 100 percent. you also played characters who faced abuse outside of degrassi i just want to let everybody know you also did you did rain you did the sexual assault sexual assault hotline and you also do maybe me and i think that's important because i've connected with degrassi because i I saw myself on tv i saw a teenager who was going through my story and i think it's so impactful to have someone who's so relatable and someone who we are so comfortable with stand out and say hey this is what you may be going through here's your resources on how you can get help if you're going through it. So I think it's so impactful that you did all of three of those campaigns together. I'm glad that it was, you know, affecting. That's all, that's all I I can hope for. I will just share a fun sidebar to a fun behind the scenes story because Annie Clark taught me that you don't get to learn about stories in advance, but she said, (laughs) but if you have something crazy going on, they will pull you aside to be like, hey, this is happening. So like Cam does something, he's going to get pulled aside. And Annie told me a story about how they are all sitting there, the scripts are flipped over. And then right before they start, Linda goes, wait, Annie, can I talk to you in the hallway? And Annie Clark thought she was going to be murdered. (laughs) Then she found out, she was like, in this character, you come out of the closet as a lesbian. Is that okay? And Annie was like, yeah, you're going to murder me. She's like, this is why I'm getting let go talk. Yeah, in front of everyone. So funny. But then oh she just came God. out of the closet and she had a huge career on the show. So that was fine. But so funny. And that was a huge last <laughs> arc. So oh, amazing. The best. My favorite, anyway. I know. Jane's story also has a big impact in the movie Degrassi Takes Manhattan. Uh, also, mostly be- because of its legacy of this is when the Spinner and Jane breakup happens and it leads to him marrying Emma. What is your opinion on this marriage? The most controversial top part of Degrassi ever (laughs) it's a polarizing marriage indeed um what's my opinion okay so I feel like Jane got a lot of heat for this and I understand why but Mm -hmm. I also felt she had a rough couple of years a lot we've just spoken about some of her you know and and her boyfriend having cancer that was how I started the show actually and then her own journey on the show so I felt like that last season for her was her really like having just some freedom and some fun and you know she cheated on spinner which was not to justify that but she definitely you know holly j told her cut it off she cut it off i corrected i naively thought oh maybe that's it like i don't maybe we're not dealing with it and i did feel a certain like guilt about it because i love spain but then when it came to a head in the movie i think i was shocked too i loved shooting those scenes like it was it was really like emotional as i hopefully it comes across you know uh shane spinner hearing uh, overhearing the girls talk like i felt so awful for him so i definitely didn't blame him for going down another road and i love emma forever i was really an emma sean fan i'm gonna go on record mm. for me not even as jane but i have to say i thought it was such a mature end like the way she came back around to apologize him Mm -hmm. sort of giving this forgiveness to her Mm -hmm. her driving off in the sunset in that Porsche (laughs) it was all very I actually felt like such a it was a really nice way to end the show with like a bow I and I you know she's a young person and she made she made some mistakes and sometimes when you hurt people a lot of the time there are consequences so again I think it's a great 
I think it's another way Degrassi's like, this is not going to end in a mm-hmm. perfect bow. But I will say, I did feel like she as a woman got so much heat for cheating. Again, not not for her Agreed. cheating on But man, some of the boys have cheated on the show and I did not feel the same heat when no one remembered, no one seems to care that, you know, Craig, I think Spinner's cheated. I was like, well, the boys mm-hmm. sort of get a, free, a freebie here. So that's my thought on that is I remember feeling like, oh man, the... The vitriol was was intense online. <laughs> I agree. Craig Craig spends like four seasons and all he does is cheats cheat on his girlfriends. And even in the Degrassi Goes Hollywood movie, Ellie comes back, has this like love scene with them where they're like like flirting with each other, and then he's like, Oh yeah, that's like my fiance in the other room. Like oh my God, everybody loves so it. Enough. Even I blocked it out. Well, we're living in a patriarchy, but I do stand Craig forever. Love Jacob. Yeah. We love Jacob. And that's so funny. You know what? So for anyone who's listening, Stephen Stone has said that their choice in that was a good way to wrap up the generation because Emma was technically the younger generation and Spinner was the older one and they were still around. So they wrapped them up. Um, but I also think it's a great marketing tactic because that is like the most discussed part of Degrassi. Everyone has an opinion about Spinner and Emma getting married. That's so point. No, it was a very was like, why not? Why not blow it up? Why not do something insane? And by the way, I think, I think that um, Miriam and Shane are so sweet together. Like oh. I always, there's something about I find Spinner I think Shane has the ability to like like he has chemistry with everybody because he's again so Mm -hmm. lovable I loved him with Manny I loved him with Paige so there is that little webisode we did where we have all his ex-girlfriends together yes and they uh who's the best kisser and then he says Terry McGregor and you're like excuse me that's right (laughs) right. and I remember thinking oh Spinner dates very cool cool people so yeah no I could kind of get behind him with anybody to be honest yeah, true. I think it's just the <laughs> the fact that it was like literally the next day, and then he's like in Niagara or in Niagara Falls has like a tattoo. Forty eight hours. Yeah, it was, t- yeah. it was a tight turnaround. But I don't know. Maybe they're who knows if they're still together. Maybe. maybe my not to derail too much. My fan theory is that they're falling apart because in Degrassi Next Class they had a throwback Thursday episode where they brought back like Paige and Spinner and Emma and all these people, and Spinner and Emma like have no chemistry in that scene together but then him and Paige are walking down the hallway like reliving their memories together and I'm like I think they hooked up at the reunion like Spinner and Paige they must have that's my fan I theory down for that circle back yeah I would be right back yes <laughs> that's the thing is if Spinner came back with literally anyone I think everybody would be like very happy about that and Emma and Sean that's all oh, see I'm too gay <laughs> for that one <laughs> so <laughs> Fiona and uh any girl on the plate it was fine by me um, um Eugene has a question for you because Uh this movie really marks the end of Jane who graduated and became valedictorian and when it comes to Degrassi as an audience we understand that okay you graduate and you kind of are done with the show there's a chance you might come back but on the actor side is it also just like okay I'm graduated I'm done now or was there any discussion about wanting Jane to stay on any longer oh that's such a good question I think it wasn't a discussion so much as it just felt from the writing that that was going to be the time she'd had such a packed couple of years and honestly when I joined the show not to get into the weeds of like contracts and stuff but I was only on for like it was only one year to start with in that I didn't know that's why I do say like I I don't know if Spinner and Jane hadn't resonated with audiences there's no way to know for sure how it would have gone so it evolved into something even bigger than I could have imagined and I joined I was already in me Paula was in grade 12 when I joined the show so I didn't start as a character or as a person in grade nine. So I figured it would probably be about three years. She was already in grade 11, second mm. semester grade 11 in the story. So I actually imagined oh. three seasons. I would have been happy to stay on, absolutely. And had there been a place for the, the story to go, for sure. But it felt like a really nice 
natural end and a really a really nice big way to end we all got to go to New York for that story it's a really like quite a quite a zhizhi final couple of episodes she girl had had a packed couple of years oh she yeah had, she deserved a movie she deserved a movie she needed, she needed a movie and she needed to rest she had yeah. to take a bit of a hiatus I, <laughs> I agree marisa wants to know if there was ever a degrassi reboot would you come back for it yes why not i'd love to see what janie's up to i i mean I i'd be so curious to see what her life is like now and i just love the fandom of the show and i love all the people who worked on the show so it would be a, a very easy yes yeah. i love that i have two theories if it's just like checking in on jane and she's not still connected to degrassi the school i think she would be a music producer to be honest i think she would go behind the scenes i love that i thought you were gonna say music teacher which i also love but let's let's just take it to she's you know spotify adjacent she's, i think so she is producing taylor swift level <laughs> yeah okay i love that maybe she's drake's producer maybe maybe we get that's how we get our little Aubrey. Uh, one of the other controversial parts of the movies is one time they reference drake as drake and everybody's like that doesn't make sense because he's jimmy brooks so that was also in good the in the takes, takes manhattan it goes hollywood the one before it they say drake as as drake yes but drake they're not drake. Saying, oh that's so oh. funny i don't remember that i do and everybody talks about it so that's a good thing but i think if if we follow jane and she was somehow at degrassi i actually think she would be like the guidance counselor she went through everything she could talk to anybody about anything and she's so warm i love yeah. that and i think she is a. she was always uh well she and i are italian so <laughs> we are long-winded and have lots to say so and there is that. a general warmth to her for as cool she as she was she wasn't chilly you know like she no. just had a very tight circle yeah. I like that guidance counselor approach. Listen, let's run with it, Joss. You, you. We got it. this. If anybody's got it, it's Joss. I just said Joss. Do people call you Joss? I'm sorry if I, I jumped. I love when people call me Joss because it makes me feel like they feel comfortable with me. So I love. Okay. It. Okay. I love good. That. I wanted to check. It felt very natural. <laughs> I love that. Look at us. Yeah. Okay. I think Degrassi's biggest fan and someone who's a producer could. All right, we're the two people who are going to bring the show back. We got this. I'll promise okay. it right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> The uh, other big thing about Jane is that she was a part of Janie and the Studs. And one of the things that's crazy about Degrassi is most times if you have a band on a TV show, most of the actors don't actually know how to play their instruments. But Studs or the Studs are stacked with uh, Degrassi musicians. I'm wondering, have you guys ever performed together outside of the show? I know that the boys had a band called Soundspeed. And yes, thank you. Oh wait, and she, wait, is this? I can't this is a different. Them. This is a different one oh, with Shane and Peter. Yes, and I've seen them play too. Yes, they've had like five bands together. <laughs> Such a great drummer, and then Sound Speed, which is you know when a boom operator who's recording sound before they we start rolling, they say Sound Speed. That's where they got that name from, and that I was that. yes, that's a little film trivia. And their band was named after that, and it was Dalmar and Ray and Shane, and I might be missing other people, but oh maybe jamie was in it too i'm kind of confusing it but they have performed a bunch and then we all performed at the rap party as jamie and the students because on set we would like yes we all played and sang but you re-record everything in the studio and then on the day you're not really actually playing so we didn't get so then we would like rehearse in ray's basement and get ready to perform for the rap party play oh some of the God. songs from the show but also some other covers and like it was it was very very fun we really took it very seriously from my memory I love that and then at the rap party did it go successfully did you meet your objective I see where you're going. <laughs> I'm like oh yeah we're getting to a particular anecdote it went pretty successfully what do you want to know <laughs> um speaking of Drake did you have to perform anything by Drake <laughs> 
So, okay. I should say that Aubrey, along with Shane, were were big, uh, like big parts of making me feel welcome on the show. They'd obviously been on the show forever. And then Aubrey was becoming Drake in front of our very eyes. Like that summer of when I was finished, like 2008, mm-hmm. best I ever had was the song of the summer. We had gone to his show at Sound Academy. Like, <laughs> like Aubrey, you're, this is insane. Like you're, this is, you're massive. Like it was so exciting to be part of it. And we were becoming huge. We were already big Aubrey fans, but we were, we were becoming big Drake fans, you know, at the same time as the public. So it was very mm-hmm. surreal. I'm sure more surreal for the cast who had also like grown up with him since they were very little, but that was the song of the summer best I ever had. So we thought it would be amazing to play this for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I still stand by our choice to do that. <laughs> but we just all agreed that we would sing every lyric together, all of them, all the cussing, all the sexy stuff, anything dirty. I don't know why, like, I'm sure I remember telling this on an mm-hmm. interview or something. It's the Damo. It's on YouTube. Yes. Yep. And Linda and Steven were there and it was my final rap party and I was so excited. And I, I, in my memory, I was doing even a call and answer, hoping everyone would join in like, <laughs> all right, guys, you know the part. And it was like, my shirt ain't got no stripes, but I would make a fuzzy whistle. <laughs> we could say fuzzy on here, I, I hope. Linda and Steven, you know the word. I know. <laughs> That's so we're fine. By the way. No one. They had all been singing. Everyone had been singing everything. Everyone bowed out. I was like, but that's a great lyric. Why aren't we all saying it? <laughs> I was also 19. Now I would be much less embarrassed, but I was really like blushy. Yeah. So I love that. So thrilled to retell that two, two times. <laughs> I love it. I had to, I know there's a couple, that interview was my favorite one. So I was like, I'm going to walk her through a couple of these stories because it's been a while since people have seen that. That's one of my a favorite long ones. time and let's get it fresh in the queue. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. A more touching story may be uh, stuck to your Instagram for this one. In 2017, you toured the set of Degrassi and your family got to come with you. Was that the first time they'd ever come? Does it feel like visiting a high school? Tell me about that. That's such a great question and a great memory because I... Yeah, so that was my my Aunt Rosie, who was really like kind of a big oh. sister to me growing up. My dad and her are 15 years apart. So she was always felt like big sister-y, like my cool mm-hmm. young aunt. And her kid, who's my cousin technically, but he's much younger than me. He was a big fan of the next class. So Anna Goya so sweetly came out to meet him and do the tour with us. And Ian Christensen, of course, facilitated. So it was well after I'd been off the show. It was very cool to go back. When I was filming, I don't, you know, I I remember us all being at the age where we started driving. So we'd have our own parking spots. So our parents and family didn't come as much. I'm sure my mom would have popped in. I had friends come by at the end of days sometimes and they'd get to meet Aubrey and Shane. And, and you know, I think that was because I had so many friends who were huge fans of the show before mm-hmm. I was on it. So that was very cool. But my family, yeah, I was at the age where they weren't really there. So that was very, very special to have Andreas and Maitia Rosie see the set and and then a year later we all went back I think it was about a year later we did the the Drake Aubrey um, the big one video shoot so that was like the final final you know that felt very also very surreal yeah it does feel like coming back to high school in a way it wow. does and I mean even as you and I speak today it doesn't feel like that long ago but it was almost it was like over 15 years ago which is crazy it's even as I get older, I'm like, oh my God, even like Degrassi hasn't put out a new episode in seven years. And I forget that sometimes. That's crazy. Me too. Yeah. Maybe. To me, the next class just happened. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's yeah. bizarre how time feels a little frozen when it's a time, you know, for anyone who's any period that was exciting in one's life, I think can really just feel, it feels frozen in time a little bit. A hundred percent. 
If you think you have whatever it takes to beat Paula Brancati at a game of Degrassi trivia, visit patreon.com slash DegrassiKid where you can find even more bonus content from this episode. But for now, let's check back in with Paula Brancati and say our goodbyes. Paula. Good. These are good questions. That was, yeah, that was our interview together. Thank you so much for doing this. This is like a highlight in my Degrassi Kid career. I appreciate this so much. You're so, you're so wonderful. And thank you for, you know, loving the show and then sharing that love with us is my pleasure to talk to you, Jocelyn. You rock. Oh, awesome. Okay. I'm going to let you go now. This was the best. I'm going to tell everybody that this happened. I'm going to brag about it and you'll see it on the internet in like a week and a half. Okay, perfect. I had so (laughs) much fun with you. Have an amazing day. Thank you too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Paula Brancati for sitting down to do this interview with me. This is a total dream come true, a bucket list item for Degrassi Kid. This was amazing. Thank you so much. I also want to say a huge shout out to everyone who left questions for Paula. If you didn't hear your question in this episode, it will be uploaded next week on patreon.com slash Degrassi Kid alongside our Degrassi trivia game. Those shout outs go to Brian, Amber, Nancy, Alana, Sierra, Kylia, Lindsay, Rachel, Mark, and Catherine, who each left questions for Paula. I'm also so thrilled to say a brand new thank you to Jamie and Will Forrest, who joined the Degrassi Kid Patreon for the very first time. Thank you so much, Jamie and Will. It means the world to me. And of course, Nicholas, Sarah J, and my best friend, and Stevie Jarawa, who are signed up as the Degrassi Student Council team on Patreon. I appreciate your unwavering support so, so much. Then we're finally saying a big thank you to all of our familiar Patreon friends like Amy, Annie Clark, Becca, Brittany, Christine, Chrissy, Daniela, Dave, Degrassi CSI, Chantel, Emily, Evie, the editor of this podcast. You can listen to her own at uh, Degrassi Schools Inn. Ethan, Eugene, Gina, Isabel, Jasper, Jay, Jackie, Joe, Joey, Jolene, Kristen, Crystal, Kat, Courtney, Lizzie Games, Mackenzie, Marisa, Mike, Megan, Mina, Maddie, Molly, Randy, Rebecca, Racine, Shannon, Shane, Stephanie, Sierra, Sanita, and Nixon from the Degrassi Generations Facebook group. I couldn't do this without you guys. I love you. Bye. <laughs>